Ladies and gentlemen, returning to the program, J-Caps. Welcome to the show. This is me, J-Caps. This is the world according to J-Caps. This is the sixth episode. We are also in 2022. Everybody confirmed it. I looked in the newspaper. I looked on the internet. They both said the same thing. So it is 2020-2020-2020-2020-2020-2022. That is what it looks like if you were a kid when I was a kid and somebody talked about living in the year 2000. Just so that you guys know, I am from before the year 2000. And, you know, before the year 2000, things were different, man. Whenever you would bring up the year 2000, that shit seemed like a trillion years into the future. Literally, I thought that in the year 2000, everybody would be wearing silver clothes all the time. Like, for some reason, the minute it turned 2000, everyone was going to get sunglasses and be in literally what looks like if you're going into a nuclear power plant clothes, like, but silver, but like hyper-reflective silver, and you would always drive a car that looks like a folded-up piece of tinfoil. That would be what would happen in the year 2000. I have no idea what people who were born after the year 2000 think of the year 2000. I wonder if they think about it the way I used to think about the 1800s. Like, um, anything that was in the 1800s, I was like, uh-uh, that's when people saw in black and white. And I don't understand. Why, I, don't, I have no idea what's going on. Like, I can't even... In fact, I thought that people saw in black and white up until 1965, up until the invention of color TV. So, yeah. Do you guys like things that are on black and white? Do you guys ever watch black and white TV shows? I like black and white TV shows sometimes. I mean, TV shows? I guess, no. The only black and white TV show I actually really fuck with is the twilight zone twilight zone rules do you guys like the twilight zone anyway getting back to the topics at hand the suggestions people did suggest some things today so i'm going to check on the list and uh, see what people have been saying and see if we can figure out what we are supposed to be talking about on this podcast let's take a look all right um, Trash Irony Manul said that I should share some fun facts. And would you know it? But that's a great idea. In fact, I think that I've been neglectful in the amount of fun facts that this podcast uh, has in it. In fact, I would say that I really, for a person like me, Jcaps, whose entire, my whole entire shtick is built upon somehow getting fun facts across, I, re I really leaned in hard to the fun fact ecosystem for me to abandon it right now and think that me just rambling on a microphone is better without fun facts. So let me see if I can, um, if I can find some fun facts for you guys. Um, what would I consider fun nowadays? Um, well, I did hear some fun stuff. I actually did hear a fun fact recently. I saw I, I saw that finally, this is a fun fact regarding, uh, actually, this is going to kill two birds with one stone, because someone else suggested that 
I talk about dinosaurs. And there was actually a fun fact I learned about dinosaurs um, recently. So I have, of course, me being a guy who uh, cares about dinosaurs a little too much as an adult, um, I already knew this. Also because I'm a famous grading animal scientist, which I feel like you guys already know. But um, anyway, I read on the mainstream media, finally reported on what I have known since I was a, a wee child, is that uh, the largest uh, the largest pterodactyl that ever lived, Quetzalcoatlus, and a dinosaur that many of you who are actual fans of mine know that is my favorite uh, animal that ever lived, the Quetzalcoatlus. It was like a like a twenty five foot style pterodactyl. It was gigantic, and um, so they were there. Everybody's been like, "How does it fly?" And um, there's always been a lot of uh, speculation. They are, they're like, some people think that this gigantic pterodactyl would just fling himself off a cliff, um, what do you call hand gliding style. And other people were like, nah, dude, this thing never flew. It literally just waited around like a stork, even though storks fly. So shut the fuck up, you know? So finally, they figured out that it does do a little jump in the air like pigeons and most other birds. It just does a little jump in the air with all of its might. Because, you know, one thing that people, they always like um, condescend to birds, except for like maybe eagles and shit. But they always condescend that birds don't have might. And birds have might. You know, it's like we are such a, we are such a, um, a narcissistic species we take we th- we think of all the natural power that animal ha- animals have and we assign that to like four or five tough animals who represent the entire animal kingdom and then you think of a little bird and you're like no that bird has might you know maybe it can't kill you but it can kill little buggies and stuff anyway that's what i have to say so anyway it's a fun fact that what they did was they did like a little push up off the ground and then they were flying so there uh, Quetzalcoatlus flight deniers. You, all the, the entire community of Quetzalcoatlus flight de- deniers can can literally um, lick the shit out of my asshole. I don't know. Is that like maybe maybe some of them would like that? I certainly would not like that. I wouldn't la- not like. Um, I don't really. I'll be honest with you guys. I do not. I don't want to have any any involvement with shit as a. Um, like as a any type of aphrodisiac, shit is kind of gross to me. So I, I I'm actually upset that I'm a, a human being that has to even shit at all. Um, you know. So I try to, you know. There's a lot of things. It's like shitting, eating, um, interacting normally in society. There's a lot of things that are barriers for me, and I just try to avoid. I just feel like, can I just theoretically be alive? And uh, like, and the pandemic's really been great for that because it was like, do you really want to just live in a bubble of your own thoughts for two years? Check out what, see what'll happen. And um, I mean, I think it's been all right. You know, I feel like it's it definitely it's definitely mind scrambling, but uh, you know, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be okay. Uh, you know what I do like about the year? I do like that it's 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, 
2022. So yeah, I'm actually very happy about that because 2022 is um I th- I realized something about the changing of the years. For for a long time I was looking at the the coming end of the year in a depressing way because I was like, "Oh, it's another example of myself getting older and there's so much more that I want to do." And at this point I'm like, Jesus Christ, I could really use the energy of younger me to fight my way through this life. <laughs> but younger me is dead to history. And um, and then even me from five years ago is dead to history. And I'm only with myself now. But then I was thinking about... I was thinking about it in a different way. I was thinking that also... I was I was really depressed because I was weighed down by everything of maybe 2020 and 2021 and when the year turned I was like oh I can also let go of that because it itself is fading into history and I don't feel as close to the initial sensations that made those times hard. And maybe with the actual changing of the year, I can start to identify new experiences with a new year and therefore psychologically let go of things from further away. Because when I think of them, they will be associated with a year that is not the current year. So I probably will just be, be, I mean, now, and then I was like, wow, I really finally relate to so many Instagram, um, like positive reinforcement posts that are just l- words. I was like, wow, I've just been reduced. I've just, my heart has been opened and I've been reduced to simplicity. So that's pretty cool. And, um, but you know what? We can't just have, you know, epiphanies the whole show. I have to get back to what this show is all about. And we're going to get uh, a suggestion and we're going to get another suggestion from. Good sci-fi movies from the Jason Tate. The Jason Tate, by the way, one of those people who does support me on Patreon. And what can I say? Thank you so much, Jason Tate. And good sci-fi movies. Hmm. Let's think about it. When I think of a good sci-fi movie, what is actually a good sci-fi movie? Because, I don't know, it's like, what was a good, what was an actually good sci-fi movie? I mean, besides Jurassic Park. Um, but I mean, it's not like Jurassic Park comes out all the time. So even Jurassic Park isn't that good. Um, what's another good sci-fi muse- movie? What was my favorite, what was my favorite uh, sci-fi movie? What was it? Science fiction movies. I don't know. Let's think about it. Let's look at what popular science fiction movies there have been and see if I've seen any of them. And if I haven't, I'll just tell you guys what I think it's about and maybe it's good or bad. Okay, so how about The Matrix, uh, the new one? It looks... I don't care about The Matrix. That's the thing. Do you guys care about The Matrix? I literally don't have any emotional 
connection to the Matrix. I don't even think about it nostalgically. Um, I do think that it's a... I did see the first one. And at the time, I didn't know that it was a metaphor for being plugged into your phone and how the future would be everybody walking around plugged into their phone. That is maybe the one cool thing about the Matrix. But... I don't know. I thought that I thought the way that the phone plugged into the people was very gross. I really don't want to see I that's the thing about movies. Movies sometimes are very gross. And I didn't like that part in The Matrix when he's like literally physically plugged into the the computer in a gross way and like the, the earth looked like it sucked, man. That really did I mean, ironically, that does seem like how the Earth is going to look eventually. So, hmm, maybe The Matrix, the original one, is actually good. But I can't imagine the fourth one being better than the first movie. Maybe it is. There was a lot of other things about The Matrix that I don't think were probably as interesting. The only parts I remember were the gross way that you plugged into the computer the list of numbers that seemed boring. Oh, also bending over backwards is cool. That's when bending over backwards became cool. I also didn't think that that, I mean, I guess it did look kind of cool, but I don't know. I, I literally don't know what happened. I don't even understand the concept behind red, red pill, blue pill, unless it means like, uh, like red state, blue state. Um, and that's, I'm going to guess that that's what it means. Okay, so The Matrix 2021, um, let's say that sucks. Hold on a second. Let me say, all right, cool. So we got we got that out of the way. That movie by, um, is, that has come out is not good. Okay, so what about the, the other best movie of sci-fi that was in 2021 was Zone 414. And on the front of it, it looks exactly... Like Blade Runner, it has a guy who has half of his life, half of his body's a shadow, and then there's some type of holographic pro- projected anime character in the background, and a dark blue city, and then another sort of anime character that is, it's probably like a movie that is an anime, and that might be cool, but would you consider anime sci-fi? I guess so. I guess there can be a sci-fi anime, but I don't know. Maybe this is like cashing in on the fact that there was a an up... What did they do? A, a reboot of Cowboy Bebop, another show I've never seen in my life. But I do remember it had a somewhat cool theme song. So I got to say Zone 414. Um, I'm going to say probably sucks, but has probably a cool theme song. All right, moving on to Dune, the movie. I did see about an hour of it, and I thought it was atrocious. I hated every second of it. I thought it was so self-serious, and I was like, why do I have to become emotional about nothing has happened for an hour except this kid can... Somebody can talk into his brain, but everything is so like ratcheted up emotionally. But I'm like, why? I don't feel anything for anybody yet. Nobody has done. Nobody has done anything with an ounce of humanity yet. 
Uh, none of the characters I've met have been um, relatable. It's been like everything was a star, like a Star Wars scene where a bunch of people are lining up all um, like strict and everybody talks in a British accent. And it's like they have no um, there's there was like one scene of fake humor between two characters. I was like, this is garbage. Fuck this. So, um, yeah, I already I already buzzed. Dune, so I, I'm not going to buzz it again, but no, I did not like it. And then the next movie, Infinite, and it looks like on the cover of his is two guys. Can't really tell if they're going to fight or if they're friends or lovers. And then there's like a silver, like a silver curved maybe blade or something between them. And it looks like a, an apocalyptic world. So, I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's like a, about a, like a, an interracial space love story. It's these two guys from like different sides of the tracks, different probably like space, space races, but, and, they're, and their countries are warring, but like then they fall, and they're like macho men. So they're like, you know, all, all, the, um, all the space rules are against them. But um, then they have an infinite love for each other, despite despite their predicament, you know. And then that's very much in line with the type of movies that are getting made now, like to show more equality, you know. Um, but in any case, that's what I think Infinite is about. And then Venom. See, I don't think Venom. Oh, but hold on a second. I think that movie Infinite probably it also sucks. Like even though they tried to make it like all woke and everything, it's probably not that great of a story. It feels very contrived. So same thing I'm gonna say with um with Venom and Spider Man. Both of those movies sucks. Uh, I don't even have to watch it, but I know that Marvel Disney movies are like bloodless, sexless, corny bullshit, and um you know. Because it's not really, it's made in a laboratory. So that's what I think. And then Chris Pratt, The Tomorrow War. Um, I, I don't know what that's about either. It looks like Chris Pratt from um, from uh, the best science fiction movie, uh, Jurassic Park. And then he is, he's looking at the sky and there, I don't know, there's like an electrical storm in the background and it's just him, and it's an Amazon original. So, on all those fronts, it does not look like it's a great show. So that's gonna be a buzzer. I'm gonna give that a buzzer as well. Um, what else? What other sci-fi movies that kind of that I've never seen that I can just? Oh, I can talk about Tenet. I believe it or not, I hated Tenet. I thought it was a piece of shit. Um, I thought that uh, again. This movie is so huge, but at at what point are we supposed to connect with a character? I mean, I get it there. Everybody's walking backwards like an idiot. That's that's the big draw of this movie. Come and watch a bunch of people walk backwards like an idiot and think that that makes them a good actor. Jesus. This movie, impossible to understand. Like, even M.C. Escher did not understand how an M.C. Escher drawing logic worked. He literally probably just put up a mirror and drew stairways going into all the corners. Um, 
I I don't want to I don't want to like pretend like I understand a backwards forward backwards gimmick, especially when it's like n- like nobody on screen has any charisma or is anything happening that I'm going to actually care about. That's the crazy thing. It's like this movie was so huge and probably felt so dumb to make. Like imagine you're you're covered in armor and you're running backwards for like all these scenes, take after take for weeks in the desert and you're running backwards in all that gear with while drones fly over you and you're like what the fuck am I doing? And literally what you're doing is a gigantic movie that's that's going to be very successful and people are going to think is good. But it, I think it actually sucked. So um, once again, I think Tenet is not a good science fiction movie. Is there any good science fiction movies? Because I have not scrolled past a one. And I clearly haven't seen any of them because they're so bad. Um, another, another two, another three shitty science fiction movies from this list that I did see. Um, Ready Player One, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2043. Oh, Jesus, I just realized. Oh, shit. I just realized something. This podcast has become me reviewing everything shitty. How the fuck am I going to get out of this? I'm like 20 movies deep. I know I'm not going to find a movie I liked. Is it fun that I'm going to shit all over these next three movies in succession? Hopefully the audience has seen them. Well, I guess that's the end of this sound clip. Let's get back to those reviews. All right. Um, Yes, so Ready Player One. I don't know, man. I guess like everybody grew up with video games. I think this is like, I hate Ready Player One. I don't hate it. Um, I thought it was interesting that Mark Rylance, the great actor, uh, he took the part as like the scientist in that movie. I guess they're like, I think it's funny. There were all these movies that are huge, um, big budget, like uh, gimmick movies. They all actually have great actors doing these cartoonish, stupid parts. Um, Ready Player One is like about a dystopia where people just play video games all day. Um, I mean, or a movie that's like dynamically going after uh, gamers, like please watch this movie begging, begging a culture to just please, we're going to throw in lots of references to a lot of video games. So we really need you guys to at least hate watch this thing. Um, But I'm not I'm also like not a, a person who plays video games, so I don't have any emotional connection to video games. So I just think it's like a strange aspect of culture that I accidentally ran in on. But in Ready, Ready, in Ready Player One, they're in this dystopian world, and they gotta like go through basically tons of old video games in a sort of Hunger Games type scenario. Um, and that's as far as I made it. I was like, this is for babies, so. Um, like most things that are made now, it's for babies. It's weird that we live in a world that caters specifically to the viewing tastes of babies, and yet we're having to deal in our actual lives with realer and realer shit. You'd think that you'd think that the powers that be would at least let us get our rocks off and see something slightly um adult or for 
adult-aged people than constant baby shit. But, you know, that's just weird. I mean, I guess we'll, we're never going to get anything... Um, I think that's a Disney movie, Ready Player One. So Disney is really like... Um, ironically, even though it owns so many things, it really is like the um, the sexless, like um, just uh, a parent. It really is a parent because I can't deny that showing Disney stuff to kids is totally the right move. Um, one one jurisdiction that Disney should be allowed to like have is a good portion of the viewing. Uh, like the viewing tastes of babies, of actual babies, like ages zero to like, I'll say eight, eight or nine, but nine being a real cutoff because I think the longer you're into Disney stuff as an adult, that's like, I don't know. I think it like, I think the, uh, like, for example, that's why all those Disney princess girls always like have like a, uh, they always like rebel from their from their youth and go like hypersexual the first uh, time they leave like the Disney uh, brainwashing compound. And I think it's just like an example of their very um, restrictive uh, aspects of of uh, like of media. But um, anyway, that I, I already I already lamented that I was uh, gonna talk shit about these movies, and it was a suggestion. So remember. I'll just do these three. That's going back to 2016. Arrival. Arrival goes back to 2016. And um, it's about a a woman who knows how to talk to the aliens who are squids, who are space squids, but they live in these, like, tubes, these gigantic tubes, skyscraper-sized tubes. And they they talk in, like, like, coffee stain coffee stain marks but this girl's like a genius and she knows how to read coffee stains and she figures out that the aliens are actually like god or you can have transcendent thought if you talk to the squids or that the squids make her high or something and then she thinks that she's um conversed with them on a high level um and I don't remember anything else that happens to it. And again, it was another science fiction movie where the interactions of the humans felt very dead and foreign. Maybe science fiction movies are made by people who don't um, have a have like a good sense of like human interaction. Who knows? Possibly. Um, the next movie is Blade Runner. 2043 which I've already buzzed these all these movies and I have the the window in another screen so I can't look at them and buzz them at the same time which is why the buzzes are out of sync um you know because I'm just one person hitting my iPad and talking into this machine by myself so it is weird but anyway so Blade Runner 2043 is a movie that's a sequel to Blade Runner and again I also saw it and a hundred percent of the time, none of the scenes made any sense. It was just like very colorful and dark and moody, and nobody talked to each other in a normal way. Even Blade Runner made that shit up. Blade Runner made up the idea of like, I'm not talking to you as a human. I'm actually a robot that doesn't know I'm a human. Um, Philip K. Dick's paranoid 
uh, concept of Blade Runner. And I remember when Blade Runner came out, I was a kid and I never saw it until I was like 23. And all these people were into Blade Runner and I was like, why do people like this so much? I missed the boat. I missed the boat on it. But I understand why Blade Runner the first one is good because um, the girl from Clan of the Cave Bear was in it. Uh, she's awesome. And who is that? Daryl Hannah? Yes, Daryl Hannah was in it playing like like a sort of like a like a jumping around alien robot lady. And then, uh, oh yeah, the guy from Star Wars was in it. So Harrison Ford, and he was cool because he was in Star Wars. And then there was like, oh, what else was? Oh yeah, there was that other guy who had that that monologue in the um in the rain. And honestly, that monologue, everybody loves it. But even that monologue is a little corny. Um, I don't think it's the best thing. I mean, maybe I should have seen Blade Runner when I was like an impressionable age, and then it would have more of a nostalgic pull. But anyway, uh, Jason Tate, that's what I think about science fiction movies, the latest ones. But if I think of a good one, I will bring it up. If I remember a good one, I'll do that. So now let's go on to another suggestion. A different suggestion that I have on here. Let's see if I can find it. Sorry about that, everybody. I feel like I lost my phone and then completely lost the momentum of the show. Had to go find my phone and then had a glass of water and thought about what the fuck am I doing right now? And then I was like, oh, I got to do my podcast. Let me get back on that thing. But for you guys, no time passed, which makes me think, oh, maybe I could pause the podcast, but I don't really like to do that. I'm really not trying to make it more complicated than it has to be. Um, so I have four suggestions from Sean Paul Tattooer, great friend of the show, and someone who almost bought watercolor paintings from me, but then decided that the the paintings did not speak to him. A tough thing for an artist to hear, but an artist to an artist, I totally understand. Uh, Sean Paul Tattooer is himself a great um, tattoo artist. And if you are in the Canadian area, think of getting a permanent tattoo from Sean Paul Tattooer. But anyway, he has four suggestions of things that we could talk about on the show today. And we will take a look at all those suggestions. Okay. Um... His first suggestion is systemic poverty, which seems like a really tall order for a stupid comedy show like mine to, to take on. Do I have anything intelligent to say about systemic poverty? Well, my position on it has always been that it's bad, that I don't like it, and that it's bad. So I'm going to stand by my own... Um, my own opinion on that one. I'm going to stand behind it. So, But then he also says, or the Anthropocene and what we can do to fix it. Well, now he's speaking a little bit closer to my language because I I think I might be, be able to say something funny about the Anthropocene. Do you guys know about the Anthropocene? The Anthropocene is a... It's like a scene that is... You ever heard of like the um the Mesozoic era? Like um 
Oh, I think there's like four different scenes that were around. Uh, the, the original scene was the punk rock scene, then the indie rock scene, then I believe there was the hip hop music scene, and then there was the the EO scene, which was the EO scene was the time when it was like big, uh, hairy beasts, um, prehistoric beasts, not not dinosaurs, but prehistoric beasts, and um, the EO scene is a very grating animals topic, but then apparently. The human scene where humans have taken over the planet and are the main reason why things happen, like we're the driving force behind the the ecological aspects of, of the uh, planet, that's called the Anthropocene. And what do I think about it? Well, you guessed it, folks. I think it's bad. I think that humans should not have had so much free time on their hands to fuck up the whole planet if had had if it been if we could have done it one other way right if only we could have done it one other way but we couldn't we couldn't keep our damn hands off of the planet we couldn't i don't know what we did wrong but it was a it was a combination of do you think humans went wrong the minute they they created the first tool the minute humans were a bird and they figured out how to take a, a rock and dump it in a, a little puddle to make the water rise. Was that the beginning of the end for humans? I like to think that the first time um, a tika leak, which is, a, which is like one of those amphibian dinosaurs, ever decided to walk out of the water, that was, that was offense number one on on uh, the end of human species. Way back in, what was it, the Triassic period? When, I don't know, maybe not. It was when it was when those early, not even looking like normal dinosaurs, not even looking like cool Quetzalcoatluses, when it was like, there was, there was nary a Tyrannosaurus in sight. Back in the beginning, when all you had was like Dunkleosteuses and all these fish-style dinosaurs, they weren't dinosaurs. They were just they were just gigantic fish that like for whatever reason humans did not use Dunkleosteus fish as the symbol for prehistory. Unfortunately, people decided of two different dinosaurs to represent the cool aspects of prehistoric life. Brontosauruses and Tyrannosaurus rexes. And apparently Brontosaurus years ago got canceled, and now they're Apatosaurus, which, I mean, what the fuck was that creative misstep by science by changing Brontosaurus to Apatosaurus? As far as I'm concerned, Brontosaurus, Brachiosaurus, and Apatosaurus should be named in successive popularity of those words and not for what species the di- hey listen call me a guy who would rather think something is funny or cool than follow science but i just think the word brontosaurus is an excellent combination of letters and i think the scientists should have if they're so smart to find a dinosaur then they should have been like you know what Oh, we thought Brontosaurus was this animal, and this is some bullshit, and the actual Brontosaurus is the Apatosaurus? Well, 
why don't we just do a name switcheroo and call the good one the Brontosaurus and the shitty one the Apatosaurus? Because Apatosaurus is is lame. Brontosaurus sounds like it's 27,000 elephants running at once. It rules. But listen, unfortunately, that's not how that's not how shit works nowadays. Uh, I, I'm going to probably say that the reason why Brontosaurus and Apatosaurus got renamed that way is because probably the guy who, like Apato, what, like Giovanni Apato, the guy who found the real Brontosaurus bones, he probably is one of these, like, listen, on the other hand, I was going to say narcissistic prick, but I'm going to say on the other hand, if Giovanni Apato, who discovered the Apatosaurus, if he, you know, worked at that his whole life and he finally did get to have his name on it, then I, then I'll take everything back and say, it's an unfortunate case of you don't have as cool a name as uh, George Brontus, who inve- who invented the Brontosaurus. So, listen, I hope you guys think that type of dumbass wordplay is fun. I mean, I like doing it, but um, you know, we find we we find ourselves where we find ourselves. So, I think with that, um, with that suggestion, Sean Paul Tattooer, we covered the Anthropocene. Did we really cover the Anthropocene? Yeah. And we covered somebody else who suggested that I talk about dinosaurs. Who was that? The person who suggested that I talk about dinosaurs was none other than... Um, damn. Can't find his name. But wait a second. Let me see if I can find his name. Um, you're so lonely, that's why I... That's the guy who did it. He's the one who suggested dinosaurs. So we got some dinosaurs in there. So great. Really happy about that. And um and then what else? We got some more we got some more suggestions. We're going at a real good clip now. Sean Paul Tattoo really saved our ass and and gave us some good suggestions. So let's get to the rest of those. So now we got um how about the octopus? I'm sure that's a broad enough to expand on. That's another suggestion from Sean Paul Tattooer, the octopus. Yes, he's right. The octopus is broad enough to expand on. And I, as Grading Animals with J-Caps, have neglected to ever do an octopus ad. An ad. <laughs> I never did an ad about octopuses. I should do one. I should not do an episode about them, but I should just do an ad for the episode about um about uh what do you call them uh octopuses um in fact maybe i should do that right now let's i think i got one i think i could cut have you wanted to find out about a crustacean style slimy animal that lives under the ocean well look no further than the octopus one of these cephalopod ass motherfuckers that doesn't even have a shell in fact what you will find is it's completely smushy If you can get your hands on an octopus, rest assured that as long as it's knocked out, you can squish it into the tiniest little box in your hand. And when you open up a whole entire, a whole entire, um, what what do you call these things? Ostrich? Oliphant? Octopus. A whole entire octopus will pop out. And what's more, you'll get free with your octopus two 
different small squids. And those squids will be five inches in length, and they will change color when they fuck. So come on down to J-Caps's Emporium of Different Animals and pick up your new octopus. Brand new. I'm going to scoop it right out of a tank if I can get my hands on it for $75 even. Thank you. Cool. So that was my ad for the octopus. And yeah, I'm opening up an animal emporium. That's my name. That's my next move. So... If this grading animals thing doesn't work out, which, you know, it's like working out is in the eye of the beholder. Um, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to open up a an emporium of animals. It's going to be called the JCAPS Animal Emporium, and I'm going to basically sell animals to whoever, and I'm going to have very reasonable prices, like an octopus, for instance. You'd think a real octopus that's in a, that's in a aquarium would be thousands of dollars. But I'll give an octopus away for $75. That's how not thinking ahead I am. I'm My prices are ridiculous. I mean, my ad uses music from the 1950s. It's completely out of touch with the um, prices of, of dinosaurs nowadays. So that's, like, uh, that's something that, that you can look forward to. Um, I, there are more suggestions, though. Uh, don't worry. I won't run out of shit to talk about uh, in this uh, hour-long podcast, believe me. So the next suggestion is, uh, how about, and it's all, all these suggestions are from Sean Paul Tatour, the only person who gives a shit about this podcast, or so it seems. Um, uh, and he says, uh, how about Delta Blues and the role of church and folk music into jazz and blues? Well, Sean, Ta- Sean Paul Tattooer, if you wanted to know about um, Delta Blues, the role of church and folk music into jazz and blues, you came to the right podcast. Because if there's one thing I do know about, it's jazz and blues, and more specifically, Delta Blues. Delta is the symbol of change in the Greek alphabet. It means moving forward into time and space. And at a certain point during blues, blues music, that is, that is, so to speak, uh, there was a crossroads where blues music could have gone down one path and then it could have gone down another path. And in the center, in the crossing of those paths, stood Johnny Blues, the original blues musician. And what he happened to step upon that crossroads, um, a a jinn, a genie, like uh, emanated out of the crossroads, and its mathematical symbol was delta, and its uh, and its uh, visage on the planet Earth was of a wolf, a howling wolf, and this howling wolf spoke unto Johnny Blues, and he said, "I will allow you." to change blues forever if you give me your most prized possession. And he said, um, okay, well, what, do, what is my most prized possession? And he's like, well, um, he took out a contract and they, they, he wrote his house and his, um, his intellectual property. 
his living space and the intellectual property to all of his music that he had written, all of Johnny Blues's tunes that he had made with the blues previous to the Delta Blues, that he's the, as the when the Jin when the genie ro- rose up and um, offered him this this uh, this choice, this conundrum. Um, he they they um, wrote a contract and all of the all of the songs the rights to all the songs were were put as collateral and then Johnny Blues was set set forth into the world of Delta Blues and unfortunately no one ever heard any of the music of Johnny Blues in fact his name today is synonymous with nothing he was never heard from again and yet all of his songs were stolen by the genie and the genie dispersed them through the music that is now known as um, the Delta Blues. In fact, many of those songs are actually attributed to a very similar musician from the era and who might actually be from that that um, that same uh, like was like a right around there because there was a music a musician guy who called himself Howling Wolf. And that's where I thought of that part from. So yeah, that's what, that's the, oh, and then also, how does the church, um, how do the church get into it? Well, the, the, the way the church is involved in it is the church was like, we don't want to have any of that music being played. We actually are more interested in like music that sounds like this. That's like an impression of most church songs. And when the blues came out, when Johnny Blues's songs were like all of a sudden covered by all these other artists that like, you know, the genie had given them all to, all the songs, then everybody started like having a lot more swing. It was almost, you can say, it was very similar to the time. So like the first day at church when like Johnny Blues's music, when the genie gave Johnny Blues's music to everybody, the guy was at church and he was like, um, he went on stage and everyone was in the audience. And it's like he was from the future. It's like he was playing it in front of them, like as if he had gone back to the future. Um, yeah. Listen, I'm sorry, guys. I'm tr- I'm I'm just trying my best here. Like I don't really know where where or when. Um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna come up with an idea, and if you can and if you can keep it alive. I just thought that. Um, yeah. I mean, what did you, did you really want to hear? Did you want me to go on Wikipedia and read you the actual history of the Delta Blues? I hope not. If you thought that I was going to do that, then that's on you. You came to the wrong podcast. If you thought that I was just going to read the words and literally make some bullshit up on the top of my head, that's what I'm hoping to try to do every time. And um, yeah, so I don't know why I go into those, go into those, you know, depressive spirals in the middle of a bit, let's say, that I'm doing alone by myself in my apartment, but it actually speaks to the other question that Sean Paul Tattooer has for me. He has one more question, and it is, how about mental health issues and your experience with them and normalizing 
anxiety, and depression. Well, Sean Paul Tattooer, that's a great question because, um, yeah, I think that um, there's two ways of going about life. A lot of people say, especially when you're doing creative shit, that you're supposed to fake it until you make it. And what that means is you are supposed to pretend like you're doing awesome all the time, even if you're doing shitty. So that's like the that's like the thing. And then everybody else is using the same software and doing the same thing. But then, you know, that can be that can be stupid to do that because ultimately you're going to um you know, you're lying. And lying, you know, lying, even though it seems cool, it actually will hurt you in the end. Uh, it's weird. It's weird because when you finally found, when you finally find out about how when, um, you know, uh, when dishonesty is bad, it's often like at the, it's often because someone else was dishonest to you and it like erupts your sense of calm and your sense of belief in the world. And then sometimes when people, like, because the world is full of duplicity. In fact, uh, grading animals, like, I'm actually not really an animal scientist. It's just, it's just, I'm goofing. I'm goofing around. So, yeah, like, lately I've been, um, I think I've been a little, especially on the show, transparent about um, how I felt in life. And um, I have no idea if uh like how that how that resonates i do know that when i first um was vulnerable in that way like months ago um there was a lot of outpouring of support and i was really grateful that the audience of this show is pretty cool and um you know they had like empathy for me the whole relationship to audience on the internet is uh weird to me and i'm not sure I'm not sure how it all works. But, you know, I think I just try to continue making things and uh and hopefully they're hopefully they're fun and they're good and you know, I I guess like I think like oh, I'm still also like growing as an artist, so I think being emotional though in this way is I think it's not fun or funny, so I tend to shy away from it. But maybe people also like to hear some emotional core shit uh, in a podcast as well. Um, yeah, so that concludes the Sean Paul tattooer questions uh, that he asked, but I think they were really good. I think they were really good questions, and I really invite the rest of the listeners, if there are other listeners out there, to always comment with a suggestion, because I will spend a good portion of the show talking about it. And maybe that maybe you know maybe you'll get lucky and i will say something good or interesting or funny about it so yeah i mean or it could go like when the jason tate asked about sci-fi movies and i'll go into a a bad downward spiral of just showing the world how much what a critical asshole i am but uh devin jar another great friend of the show asks what the best comedy movie ever made was and why? Uh, that's a good question. What the best comedy movie ever made and why? Best comedy movie ever made. 
Um, best comedy movie. Best comedy movie. Best comedy movie. Um, best comedy movie. Best comedy movie. Best comedy movie. Best comedy movie. Um, you know, that's a great question, and I don't know I don't necessarily have one movie that I could think of. I recently did rewatch um a movie that used to be what I thought was one of the best comedy movies of all time, uh Dirty Work with Norm Macdonald. Uh I saw it not too long ago just to sort of just sort of an, as an elegy to to Norm Macdonald who I've loved so much in my life. Um, and I used to think this movie was the funniest thing of all time. Like I remember multiple times just dying as a kid watching this movie, thought it was the most stupidest and funniest thing of all time. And watching it after probably 20 years, like it, it was still super funny, but it was not as intensely funny as I thought when I was like younger. And that made me a little sad because I think that I realized that it was also me being uh, younger and being inspired by something. And it was like really powerful, like at, when I was younger, because it was so intense. But now that like so many years have passed, I can't see the things in the, with the same freshness. Um, and uh, yeah, it colored it. It colored it differently. I still laughed uh, at a lot of parts and was surprised at a lot of parts, uh, but it wasn't as hilariously funny as things that I think are funny now. Um, there's a ton of funny shows on TV. Uh, I really love, like, if I was to talk about a group making comedy this decade or the last decade, I've mentioned them a lot of times, but... Uh, like Eastbound and Down, Vice Principals, and Righteous Gemstones. I love their work. Um, uh, the like Danu McBride. Uh, that that they're some of the funniest. That's like so inspiring to me. Um, but yeah, like I guess that's what I have to say about comedy movies. I can't think of a good one right now. Um, let me just look up comedy movies. 2021 comedy movies. Let's see if I've seen any of these. Don't Look Up. That looks... I'll be honest, that looks like it kind of sucks. Even It's like very preachy. Um, Encanto, then Rumble. It's like two cartoons. I don't know why they're in the number one spots. Then Big Time Adolescence. Yeah, I'm going to just, I don't think that, that any of these, you know what we could do? Let's look at the top 100 comedy movies of all time and see if I saw any of them. Because I think the big problem here that we're finding is that I haven't seen enough movies to have a judgment about any of this shit. And that's a real problem for a guy who's going to do a podcast. But the good thing is I have a lot of um, internets. I have a lot of internet in front of me that I could look up the answer. So that way, it seems like I know what I'm talking about, but because I'm reading 
what the answer is off the screen, and then I can just think if I saw the movie or not. So number 100, Meet the Parents. That was with um, Robert De Niro and uh, what's his name? This is the guy from Zoolander. And this one was about he tries to marry the girl, but his uh, the dad... He like wants to like he's like an army guy or something like that, and he's like I th- I think that you're I have to check I have to put a cathode um like sensors on your nipples or something like that. So that seems like a cool movie. Uh, I did see it. I think it was pretty fun. And then Mean Girls is the ninety ninth funniest movie of all time, and it's about Mean Girls. I I've never seen it, but like it looks pretty good. I don't know. I always I do think that when women are mean to each other, it is hilarious. Um, I mean, and that's why I have partnered partnered up with Marianne Bayard f- to do comedy with her because when she's mean to me, it's very funny. And then the 98th funniest movie of all time is Pulp Fiction from 1994. I don't know if I think this movie is so funny, but it was cool. It was a very cool movie when it came out. I did like Quentin Tarantino, and I don't think he's like a comedian. I guess like, remember when it was like, um, that scene in Pulp Fiction where they're looking at the guy in the back seat at the end, and they have a loaded gun, and the car, the car uh, bumps on something, and the gun goes off, and it shoots the guy's head off, and then they have to clean his brains off, and then there's something uh, ironically funny about that uh, because it happens so suddenly. Things that happen suddenly are funny, um, and that's that's why Quentin Tarantino is one of the funniest guys, and his movie is on the funniest list here. But not to be outdone by number 97, Hot Fuzz, I did not see this movie. Um, and I, it, from the looks of it, is it about British police officers or American police officers? And apparently they're, they're tough. Oh, it is. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Those guys are very funny. I should see that movie, Hot Fuzz. Those guys do funny stuff. I will admit that uh, the Frost... The Simon Pegg, the Pegg-Frost combo is a solid combination of comedy. Um, but next in the list is, uh, what's the guy's name? Harold Lloyd, the silent film comedian Harold Lloyd in his movie Safety Last from 1923 wipes his ass with, Nick, with uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost by being in the 96th funniest movie. And a movie... That was made only 98 years ago in 1923, 98 years ago. And there's some hilarious ass physical comedy in this movie where it looks like he's hanging from a clock over a big, busy intersection where like the first cars of their kind were like racing down the highway. Um, And, you know, back then, the funniest shit you could do is physically hang off of a clock possibly falling to your death. And and I would I would say that it's if if this guy Harold Lloyd was doing this when he was rehearsing and he was like um workshopping some of these bits, he was hanging off a clock in the middle of Times Square and there would be people watching him and rolling on the floor laughing at his hilarious antics where he almost dies. And that was what was that was more people were more honest back then. Back then you could just laugh at a guy who's almost going to die and it's like it's classic comedy but now if i was if somebody was hanging 
by a thread to their deaths now, and I laughed at it, I would be called a psychopath. Anyways, number 95 movie is The Graduate. The Graduate is a movie where Dustin Hoffman and um, he he ends up sleeping with an older woman, and it's pretty cool. He's like really into it. And then he realizes that, wait a minute, I'm actually going to try to fuck a younger woman now and marry her, which was in the 1967's code for we're going to fuck now. Um, actually, not really. I think that in the movie, the whole thing was that he was fucking the um, the lady. Uh, obviously, they weren't married. She was just his plaything. Um, actually, truth is, truth be told, I haven't seen The Graduate in a long time and I barely remember anything except for the ending of the movie where he's talking to some guy and he's like, well, what what job are you going to get into? And the guy goes, plastics. And then he says something like, plastics are the future. And I don't even remember seeing that part, but I remember being told that part by somebody else who thought it was funny or thought it was like um, prophetic or interesting. So um, shame on me for, uh, for trying to say something prophetic or interesting and not something just fun and or funny. So I think graduate uh, is should be in further down on the list. Okay, number 94, Local Hero. Um, it's a movie. I've never seen it. It's by Bill Forsyth, who I've never, I don't, I guess I don't know his work, Bill Forsyth. And I've heard of this movie, but never seen it. So we're going to scroll past that one to one that we have seen. Um, 19, uh, number 93, also 1993, was the movie The Philadelphia Story in 1940. And that had. Cary Grant in it, I think. Shit. Did Caps go off the deep end again and just find a list of movies that he will endlessly not like for no reason? Damn, that's gonna be that's gonna be really tough on the listener who has to sit through all that. But what do you think? Should he go through the entire list and find a movie that's funny because he couldn't think of one? Who the fuck knows? One thing I know is I instinctively knew that I had to stop reading that list. Thank God. Cool, guys. So the last suggestion that I have is uh, from uh, Fuertons. Fuertons, also a great friend of the show and Patreon member. And Fuertons says, oh, I'm just trying to read the, the fuck. Damn it. Okay, Fuerton says, what is my favorite tree and why? Oh, shit. I have to find another list of trees. I can't think of a tree. What my favorite tree? Fuck, what is it going to be? A conifer tree? Is it going to be a, a redwood? If I say redwood, that's too fucking basic. Should I say some weird-ass tree, like a monkey puzzle tree? They're cool. Um, fuck, dude. But I might go ginkgo biloba. I, don't, I like ginkgo biloba. Listen, I love all trees. What should I say? God damn it. I hate, every time anyone asks me about this shit, I always, like, just go and read a list. I mean, oak trees? Nah. Oak trees are too mainstream. Haven't I learned anything from grading animals? I can like a mainstream thing. Fuck. All right, guys. Thanks so much. This is going to be this episode. Hope you uh, are enjoying the podcast. Join the Patreon, and I don't know. uh, That's all.